Hello, my name is Michael Horn. This segment is called Word of Mouth, and it's an evangelization program in which we interview someone from the Archdiocese of St. Louis and talk about the beauty and wonder of evangelization and how this individual lives evangelization in his own life and the power of his personal witness. So this morning, I'm with Tim Lucchese, who's been a good friend of mine for the last seven or eight years or so, We've done a lot of work together musically and in youth ministry, and Tim is also the youth minister currently at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Oakville. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you today? Great. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for being with us. And so we're dividing this segment into three different parts. And so the first part will consist of a personal testimony with our guest, Tim, today. And so Tim will talk a little bit about his personal witness of evangelization. Then we'll transition into a brief period of catechesis where we teach on an element that's very resonant within Tim's own account of evangelization. And then finally, we'll close with some practical tips on evangelization that Tim has to offer us this morning. So Tim, it's once again great to be with you today. And our first question for you to just offer to us is, what has your faith journey been like growing up? And describe one vivid encounter with the Lord that has impacted your life in a deep way. Well, real quickly, first, I'd like to address the fact I didn't know that the segment was called, what is it, Word of Mouth? Word of Mouth. I love that, first of all, because Word, because God's Word and Scripture and all that fun stuff. But I also like the fact that the, the first person you're doing this with is, uh, is a youth minister because we don't know how to stop talking. So word of mouth and having someone who talks to teenagers, they also don't know how to stop talking. I can tell you that for a fact. But it's a, it's a wonderful title for the segment. I just hadn't thought about that. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like a lot of people. I, I grew up Catholic, and if, if someone had asked me why I was Catholic when I was 12, 13, 15, maybe 19, I'd two, whatever it would have been, I would have said some version, well, I'm, I'm Catholic because I'm, I'm, because I'm Catholic. You know, I'm, it's very circular logic, and I was Catholic because my parents were Catholic. And it, I spent most of my, my teen years completely, completely not understanding what the Catholic faith was all about. I went through the motions. I went to Mass. I, I said the words. I, you know, one day I, I started forgetting the words, and then I, I realized there was a book in front of me, and so, oh, I could, I could just read along. I don't even have to remember. I even got made fun of for being the guy who went to church as a kid, even though I went with my parents making me go. They knew it was, it was good for me, so they, they made me go. But I, I didn't really have a, a strong personal desire to, to know Christ uh, in my youth, and in my teen years, in my 20s, I, I started to be surrounded by people who, well, God was placing in my life very clearly. And I can see this yeah, Monday morning quarterback in here, 2020 hindsight, that these people were placed in my life for a good reason. And little, little gentle tug on the heart. That's what I've heard other people describe a vocational call as just a little gentle tug on the heart. And looking back, that's exactly what I felt. Uh, I was invited by, uh, by my sister to be a, a volunteer chaperone at a, at a youth conference. And in the presence of that youth conference, which I went to simply because I, I had nothing better to do that weekend, and I had all of my paperwork done, so I was, I was cleared to be a, a chaperone in the diocese. But in the process of being there and being thrust into that role model, that, that leadership position, I felt God just reach into my heart and start to pull and say, I, I want you to, to do something in ministry to which I, I did the standard follow-up and said, oh, okay, what would you like me to do? And 
as is common with prayer life and, and our faith life, our, our relationship with God, God basically said some version of, well, hold on, I'm not ready to tell you the rest of that yet. You just you be patient. And uh, as, as typical, I, I was not patient. I was not patient at all. So uh, I continued to, to push and challenge. Well, throughout my, my teens and 20s, I, I even considered the, the priesthood, sometimes for good reasons, like, oh, you know, that's, that's a great way to serve the church. And sometimes for less than ideal reasons, like, you know, wearing a cassock makes you look like a ninja. And I would love to spend my life looking like a ninja. I don't, I don't know who wouldn't, to be honest with you. But uh, I started to, to listen more. And there's a, there's a scripture passage uh, in uh, the First Kings, I want to say verse 19, and Elijah's up on a mountain, and there's, there's storms, and there's these, God, where are you? I, I can't hear you. And there's winds, and there's, there's fire, and there's, there's other things. And suddenly it becomes quiet. And in that quiet, Elijah's finally able to hear God's voice in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the, the craziness. So what I did was I, I opened my heart just a little bit in some of these moments of silence. And what people don't realize is that uh, a lot of us, at least what I didn't realize, if you open your heart just a little bit, God must have been doing his leg lifts because he can just kick that door right off the hinges, that door to your heart, and it just flies off. And all of a sudden, he is very present in your life. So uh, the Lord was just, he, he just, he stormed in, took over, and and, and I, was, I was open to the conversion. That was a big aspect of it. I was open to God, not just converting my heart on one day, but to consistently convert my heart. Um, and there was a point when I was in college where I had a significant struggle, a series of significant struggles, and I actually became angry at God. I was alone in a chapel one day, and I was, I was getting so angry at God. I even got mad at him for permitting the existence of free will. And it allows harm to be done, it creates struggles and challenges. I felt incredibly helpless. And I felt abandoned by pretty much everyone. A few friends still stuck by me, but for the most part, I felt that I had been abandoned. And I realized in that moment, standing in a chapel, screaming at God, that despite my feelings of abandonment, that God never abandoned me, that he was present the entire time. And there was this this great awareness, this, this peace that came with that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for those reflections, Tim, on just the ever-presence of God and the beauty of him being with us always, even in our anger and feelings of helplessness. The next question I'd just like to ask is your thoughts on your mission as a youth minister at St. Francis, just and in general as a youth minister, what, what is your mission? What, what is your calling in that, in that role? Well, the... Uh... This is something we often refer to as, as the new evangelization started by St. John Paul II. Uh, but it's the concept of clarifying existing church teaching. It blows my mind how frequently people who are of faith or not people of faith currently, they, they listen to something that our current pope, His Holiness Pope Francis says, and they're, oh my goodness, that, that's a radical, incredible change. But it's not, because he's just saying the things that Jesus said, and we're doing a slightly better job of listening. So the message of the church doesn't change over time, but rather the method by which we communicate. And that's true in many, many different areas. So to be able to clarify church teaching and show that it's relevant, show that it is relevant today, uh, to show people that 
that God's love is unending, that Christ is present with us. And just to, to help people recognize that whatever God has called us to do, whatever we've read in sacred scripture, that it's, it's not an outdated thing. It's incredibly relevant. Uh, and I've found that leading people, I have an opportunity in my position. People ask me often, why do you work with teenagers? Or more specifically, how can you work with teenagers? To which my response is usually, how can you work with adults? Most of us are set in our own ways and we're not willing to hear any additional truth. So when you're working with teenagers, they are just a mass of potential energy. And the opportunity to see that potential turn into something, to turn into kinetic energy, to turn into active faith life is just a wonderful opportunity. And I think sometimes we, we really do focus on the wrong things. I've, I've worked with second graders, I've worked with eighth graders, I've worked with people who are young adults, I've worked with parents who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And we often get caught up in the wrong aspects of things. There has been a question that has been asked of me by middle schoolers, I want to say a dozen times this school year, so only over a handful of months. And that question is, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Here's the thing. The answer in terms of our salvation is it doesn't matter. Okay, that's like saying are animal crackers crackers or really cookies? Is cheesecake cake or pie? It doesn't matter. If you put cheesecake in front of me, I'm going to eat it because it's delicious. The relevance to the overall question, it's like asking can God create something so big he can't lift it? It's irrelevant. It's impossible. It does not actually have any sort of logic in our faith life. And also, cheesecake is delicious. So if we can focus on the things that matter, we can come to understand that God's Word and all the teachings of the Catholic Church truly have a relevance in our day-to-day -day life. And, you know, for sometimes it's a uh, it can just be fun. I, I love to bring, I, I happen to be uh, what I have been referred to as follically challenged. Um, I, uh, I have a, a wonderful handsome beard, but, but really nothing above that. And so I love to remind teenagers that in Second Kings, there is a story in which a prophet is walking down the path and some young boys start shouting, hey, baldy, go away, baldy, which I don't think a lot of people realize the words go away baldy are in the Bible, which, which I find hysterical. But I find it even funnier that the prophet then cursed those boys and that two she-bears, she the Bible specifies she-bears, came out of the woods and mauled 42 boys to death. Now, I have no idea what the actual context of that scripture is. You'd have to ask someone who knows better <laughs> than I do. But just by reading that, I find enjoyment. And when I bring it up to young people, they are surprised they are entertained, and it gets them wanting to know more. And hopefully it causes them to make fewer bald jokes about me, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. That, that's an excellent assessment. Thank you so much. And your beard is quite glorious, so it's, it's great that you do have that beard at least. So Yours as well, by <laughs> Thank the way. You. That's awesome. So, yeah, like you said, just the, the idea and mission and calling just to make relevant the teachings of the church, the teachings of Scripture, and to understand the proper context of Scripture, to understand the teachings of the church, and to show why they're important to us today and how we can live them in our day-to-day -day lives, even as things continue to change in our society. The last thing we'll just talk about uh, before we get to the catechesis is some challenges and blessings that you have experienced 
when you're a youth minister. So what are the good things? What are the cha- what are the blessings? And then also what are the challenges? Well, some of the some of the I'll talk about the challenges first. I want to start with the the difficult and then then end the answer on on the powerful. But uh, some of the challenges can be simply remaining humble. Uh, sometimes a lot of the kids start to get really impressed with you. I've seen this at different parishes where a youth minister leaves because God calls them elsewhere. Or they have uh, they have something else to do in their life at that time, and the teenagers leave as well. But what they don't recognize is that they they've been seeing Christ in that person, and they start to associate that person with the person of Christ. And it, the it's challenging to remain humble. That being said, there are plenty of teenagers who call you out on the foolish things you do, and makes it easier to uh, to remain humble in that aspect. But uh, just being able to provide an, an optimal support system. There are quite a few young people who have amazing support systems, but then there are quite a few young people who don't. Or there are a lot of young people who they have a great support, support system at home or at school or with their friends, whatever it may be, but a poorly catechized support system. So even though they want to be supportive in the spiritual development of these young people, they don't necessarily know how to support them by providing proper catechesis, catechetical education, which is a word I can't believe I just got through without stumbling. But that's, uh, those, are, those are some of the challenges. But some of the blessings, a lot of the joys just show up in these little moments. They show up in, uh, in moments of, of seeing a teen who, is, who goes from, I'm struggling with my faith to now I want to dive deeper, or I don't want to go on this vocations retreat to, well, I guess I should at least be open to a religious vocation if that's what God is calling me to. Uh, to see a teenager who has been struggling for years. I've, I've known teens who it's been, like many teens or adults, it's been 10, 15 years since they received the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And I had one instance where the teenager went to receive the sacrament, came out in tears, came over, gave me a, well, I'm a youth minister, so instead of a hug, it was an awkward side hug. <laughs> and it was just a beautiful moment to see that healing, to see, to see that. So a lot of times, though, we don't, have, we don't have the luxury in ministry of seeing the impact of our work. It's a long-term thing. We plant the seeds, and we pray that one day God will help those seeds bloom. Awesome. The beauty of relational ministry, it just it provides a lot of opportunity to see joy. Okay. Such a beautiful answer. Thank you so much, Tim. So now we're going to transition into our catechetical segment, and the, the element that we'd like to focus on from Tim's journey of evangelization is the idea of contextualizing things, and today from the catechism, thinking about the senses of Scripture. And so Tim mentioned the idea of making relevant the teachings of the Church, the teachings of Scripture, and making these come alive today in our own lives and, and knowing how to apply them. And also just realizing that sometimes we come across seemingly scandalous passages in Scripture or, or things that really startle us and think, wow, did Jesus really say that? Does the Church really teach that? But it's just important to understand the senses of Scripture. So that'll be our catechesis today. So one of the greatest blessings of our Catholic tradition is our understanding of the different senses of Scripture these help us to better understand and find meaning in the difficult passage we face in Scripture. We can d- distinguish between two senses of Scripture, the literal sense and the spiritual sense, which contains three types. From paragraph 116 of the Catechism, 
We know that the literal sense is the meaning conveyed by the words of Scripture and discovered by exegesis, following the rules of sound interpretation. This sense is always primary in our reading of Scripture. Pope Benedict XVI reminded us that we must always keep in mind this literal sense to avoid projecting our merely subjective interpretation onto a text and distorting its original meaning. The spiritual sense has three subgroups and shows how the realities and events in Scripture are also signs of other realities. First, the allegorical sense allows us to gain a greater understanding of the events in Scripture by recognizing their significance in Jesus Christ. An example is the Israelites crossing the Red Sea as a sign or a type of Christ's victory and also of Christian baptism. Another example is the blood and water that flowed from Christ's side as signs of the Eucharist and baptism. The moral sense of Scripture leads us to learn from the events reported in Scripture so that we might act justly and in a more holy manner. Parables and stories, including that of the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son, and the healings of blind men, show us how to love as Christ loves and to show mercy to those in need. And finally, the third spiritual sense is the anagogical sense, which is from the Greek word for lifting up or leading. This enables us to view realities and events in terms of their eternal significance, leading us toward our true homeland of heaven. We view a passage from Scripture in light of our eternal end. An example is the Last Judgment passage in Matthew 25, the Beatitudes, and the parable of the Great Wedding Feast found in Matthew 22. So a helpful way to summarize these senses is the following. The literal sense speaks of deeds. The allegorical sense speaks to our faith. The moral sense speaks about how to act, and the anagogical sense points to our final destiny in heaven. To conclude, paragraph 119 of the Catechism provides a great summary statement for our interpretation of Scripture. It is the task of exegetes to work toward a better understanding and explanation of the meaning of sacred Scripture in order that their research may help the Church to form a firmer judgment. For, of course, all that has been said about the manner of interpreting Scripture is ultimately subject to the judgment of the Church, which exercises the divinely conferred commission and ministry of watching over and interpreting the Word of God. We are so blessed to have an authoritative body, the Catholic Church, to aid us in our understanding of a difficult passage of Scripture and to guide us in our knowledge of the truth. So some helpful resources for all of you out there for a better understanding difficult truths found in the Bible our first, Hard Sayings, A Catholic Approach to Answering Bible Difficulties by Trent Horn and Apologists at Catholic Answers, and also the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible by Dr. Scott Hahn. So those are a couple resources that you can look at and look for in libraries and online to help you in your search for the truth of Scripture and to better interpret passages as the Church interprets them. And finally, we'll go to our third segment, uh, which is Practical Tips for Evangelization. And Tim's going to offer us about five, five uh, insights on practically evangelizing today and steps that we can take in our day-to-day lives to better spread the good news of Jesus Christ to others. All right, so I, uh, I want to start off real quickly by defining evangelization as, uh, as it has affected my life and as I have found it to work. And the, uh, the definition that really strikes my heart is Fulfilling the apostolic mission by living an active public faith instead of a passive, exclusively private faith. Now, I say exclusively private because we are called to have a personal relationship with God. 
but we're not called to only have a personal relationship with God. We're called to have a communal relationship with God. So the first thing you want to do when working on evangelization is you need to feed yourself spiritually. My father was a longtime swim coach and lifeguard, and he used to always say, if you can't, or you can't save someone else from drowning until you learn how to swim yourself. And that still sticks with me today. I couldn't teach math because I'm not good at math. So if I want to evangelize, I have to be strong in my Christian faith. Uh, the second thing is the personal invitation and the power of that. Frequently in youth ministry, I will ask a group of teenagers to raise their hand and say, who first showed up because someone invited them? A friend, uh, an older sibling, whatever it may be. And 90, 99%, depending on the room, hands go up saying, yes, I was invited by another individual, by someone who I trust, who I respect. And then I ask, how many people showed up because, uh, I don't know, they read the bulletin or saw it online or saw a flyer, and the, the number of people goes down significantly. In the Great Commissioning, Christ did not say, go forth and put on social media something so that people will show up to it. He said, go forth and make disciples of every nation. So we are called to actually go out and invite people to mass and to other events. And if people say no, well, invite them again. I've heard quite a few stories of people It took the repeated invitation. And you might not have the, the luxury of St. Paul getting knocked off a horse and having Christ himself pop up and say, hi, uh, I need you to do this for me. But we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. I believe that was St. Teresa of Avila. I believe so. So we should be the hands and feet of Christ, inviting people ourselves. Furthermore, we need to know our own value. If we don't know how valued we are, it's difficult to show people how valuable they are, how valued they are. And we are infinitely loved. I've heard it said, I'm trying to remember who said this, but I've heard it said that if God stopped thinking about you for a moment, you'd cease to exist. His love is so eternal and unending, and you are irreplaceable. So for you to know your own value, you could help demonstrate that value to others. You can help show people through your words, through your actions. And to take time for gratitude, to, to write down some blessings on a daily basis. Uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we count off what we call the list of 10 every, every week, I'm sorry, every night before we go to bed, 10 blessings combined between the two of us from that day. Because without gratitude, we end up putting ourselves before God. We end up forgetting about all the little things, and we get caught up in some of our struggles. And to intentionally focus on, on relationships. Uh, when you're, when you're building a relationship, I always like to look at it this way. If you think back to when you were in school, whether that was you know, last week or whether that was 50 years ago, who had the biggest impact on you? The book or what had the biggest impact on you? The, the book that you read in that class or that teacher? It's easier to think about the teacher that had the impact on you. So develop personal relationships develop relationships with those around you. When they come to you and they disagree, or when you approach them and they disagree, don't cast them aside. Acknowledge the fact that they have a struggle, that they are not perfectly in line with church teaching, but that we are all sinners, that we are all flawed, and that if we can acknowledge other people have flaws, we have flaws, and that's okay. That's why we have the redemptive cross. That's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation 
if we can acknowledge all that, we can better understand where people are coming from. We can better understand that they have heard messages, they've heard lies that, that are not necessarily true, or they've never heard the truth. And hearing the truth can sometimes be jarring. People don't want to be shaken out of their comfort zones, but sometimes we need to be the example and we need to shake them out of the comfort zone a little bit, even if it's at a detriment to ourselves. Thank you so much, Tim. Those five tips are great for us just to continue as we seek to encounter Christ anew, to know Christ in our lives, and also to share Christ. Just the importance of gratitude and joy in our lives and the power of personal invitations and just the beauty of establishing good relationships and just understanding that everything that we do can really have a positive impact if we just invite Jesus into our hearts and our lives and share him with others. And so we're going to wrap up now. Uh, Again, my name is Michael Horn, the host, and then this is Tim Lucchese. Tim, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Michael. Thank you.